You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Hey everyone, before we get into today's episode, I just want to let you know that our friends at Outdoor Edge have partnered with some great brands to help bring your fall full circle with their field to freezer to fire giveaway. Here's how you enter. Go to their Facebook page and sign up to win some awesome prizes and packages from brands including Yeti, Weston, Bradley Smokers, and more. These are some awesome products that will help you process your game, keep your game in the freezer, and eventually cook it for your table. You have until January 15th to sign up, so take advantage of that. Outdoor Edge in the Field to Freezer to Fire giveaway. Go to their Facebook page and make it happen. And if you decide to purchase any products from the website, Enter the discount code NATION30. That's the word NATION with the number 30 after that. No spaces. NATION30. And you will receive 30% off your purchase. This is the Average Conservationist Podcast brought to you in partner with 2% for Conservation. 2% for Conservation's mission is to create an alliance of businesses and individuals that ensure the future of hunting and angling by committing their time and dollars to fish and wildlife. 1% of your time plus 1% of your money equals 2% for conservation. 2% helps businesses and people pair with conservation causes to support things that fit what they care about. Whether you're into fishing, hunting, or just getting outdoors, 2% can help you not only start giving back to wildlife, but get certified for it. Getting 2% certified means you've made the same commitment as popular brands like Sitka, First Light, Stone Glacier, and Seek Outside in giving at least 1% of your time and dollars back to wildlife. But it's not just for outdoor companies. Breweries, contractors, coffee roasters, and even piano repair companies have earned 2% certification and stand out as leaders in their communities for doing so. Businesses that are committed to conservation deserve your business when you shop. Learn more about 2% for conservation at fishandwildlife.org. That's (laughs) fishandwildlife.org. What's up, everybody? Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Average Conservationist Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Ewing, and this is episode number 33. Today on the podcast, I am joined by Lyle Hebel. And for those of you uh, that may not know Lyle, he is the marketing director at 2% uh, Certified Stone Glacier. And uh, a lot of you probably familiar with a lot of of Lyle's work um, from an artistic uh, standpoint. Uh, Lyle is crazy talented um, as a, as an artist and a graphic designer, and he's uh, you've probably seen a lot of his designs and illustrations that he's done for a lot of different two uh, percent certified brands as kind of collaborations or 
some some artwork that he has done for some of the conservation organizations out there as well. So Lyle and I get to talk about, you know, kind of how he was raised in the outdoors and, you know, the the ability or the knack that he had um, from an artistic standpoint at an early age and how that kind of led him into working with a lot of uh, outdoor companies on um, more of the marketing side of things um, and running uh, marketing different marketing campaigns and things like that for different companies um, and then how he transitioned to his role over at Stone Glacier. Uh, we also get a chance to, to really go into a lot of what Stone Glacier it, it kind of really represent what what they're all about. Um, you know get to hear kind of the story uh, about how Stone Glacier got started uh, and, and really <clears throat> talk about what Stone Glacier is trying to get out of a lot of their uh, gear and equipment that they're putting out there, how they're they're trying to treat it for a lot of uh, dual purposes and being able to, you know, with, with some of their outerwear base layers that, you know, you can get, uh, you know, you can wear them kind of casually, but you can also wear them in the field as well and, and how they're trying to get the most out of uh, their different pieces of equipment. So it, it was really cool to kind of, you know, as, as Stone Glacier as being a partner of the podcast, you know, kind of taking a step behind the curtain and, and getting to see and hear about, you know, really the way that that Stone Glacier um, approaches, you know, new products that they're coming out with. So, um, you know, not only all of that with Lyle, but he is also a, uh, a member of the board of directors for 2%. So he has really made it his life's mission um, to, to give back to conservation and to be heavily involved um, wherever uh, he really can uh, in terms of conservation. So uh, really fun episode this week and I uh, hope you guys enjoy. But before we get into this week's episode, I want to take a minute to tell you about Lyle's company, uh, Stone Glacier. Uh, if you're looking for really any type of outdoor good, um, whether it's a base layer, uh, a mid layer, an outer layer, uh, you know, a day pack or a pack for an extended hunt, a lightweight shelter, uh, sleeping bag or sleeping system, um, bino harness now, uh, Stone Glacier is going to be kind of a one-stop shop for you. Um, all of their stuff is made in the USA. It's bomb proof. It's, it's well thought out. It's well designed. You know, they're, they have, you know, not only their own team members, but other people who are out there just putting these different pieces through their paces and really making sure that they're tried and true. And that that's something that, you know, Stone Glacier wants to stand behind. Um, I've told you guys in the past, but I, I run their Avail 2200 um, during whitetail season here. And the thing was, it, it really um, was was a, an amazing pack. Uh, I mean, it did everything that I needed it to do. Uh, you know, carried a lot of weight when I needed it to. Um, you know, it was it was just everything that, that a hunter looks for in a pack. There were, you know, good organization, um, easy to access when you needed it and was able to keep kind of, you know, with the different pockets and pouches, keep things separate uh, and easy to find when you're in the tree and you're not trying to fumble around or anything like that. So if you guys haven't already, definitely be sure to check out about stoneglacier.com. All right. On the line with me today, I have marketing director for 2% Certified and partner of the podcast Stone Glacier, as well as board member for 2% for Conservation, Lyle Hebel. Lyle, how's it going today, man? Oh, it's going well, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I appreciate uh, you making some time today. I know that 
especially for retail companies. Uh, this is a pretty busy time of year, so I appreciate you carving out some time. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's my pleasure to be here. Yeah. So, Lyle, I kind of want to, first off, get into a little bit about your background and, and everything, and then we'll kind of move on to talk about definitely with Stone Glacier and then your role and Stone Glacier's role within 2% as well. Yeah, you bet. Uh, it's a question. How, how far do you want to go back? Uh, I mean, let's let's go all the way back to the beginning. So I, that's kind of what I wanted to, to, to start with was really how uh, you were introduced to the outdoors and what that looked like. Yeah, so um, well, I was I was originally born here in Bozeman, um, and then you know my my folks separated, and I was a, a little little dude, and so I uh, ended up growing up the majority of my time in Sheridan, Wyoming, and then uh, my dad actually uh, lived in Ennis um, and Dillon, uh, Montana, and so I would kind of split summers uh, between between Sheridan and Dillon, so I would come up and obviously do lots of fishing and things like that. Um, but you know, really hunting, it's, it's been something that my family has done, you know, as, as, as long as I can remember, um, really got into it, um, kind of more heavily with my brother. Um, he was really, and still is, uh, very much an average sportsman. And so would just kind of start to tag along with him and then, um, got my first buck with my brother. We were actually uh, by ourselves, two little dudes out there, um, <laughs> shot a buck and, uh, had no idea what, what to do after we shot it. Other than we had seen, uh, you know, my brother got a couple of deer and we had seen my uncles and uh, my stepdad do it a few times. Uh, and so we, we got it figured out and it was a little bit of a rodeo, but um, yeah. And so that was kind of like, for me, the, the first kind of mentality of like, man, like this is, this is really fun and, and something that, you know, I, I see myself doing for a long time. And then uh, just continued to, to really uh, hunt all through school and, and into college, um, lived in a college house with a bunch of hunters. And so we, we never bought meat. We just had, you know, pretty much an endless supply of critters coming through, uh, through our garage and into our deep freezer. And, uh, when I uh, came to college, I went to Montana state university and, uh, started in 2000, graduated in 2004 with uh, a degree in graphic design. So definitely more of a, a design uh, mentality. And then from there I went, uh, I was actually, I was going to go to potentially Seattle, um, my now wife, girlfriend at the time, uh, wanted to work at the children's hospital there. So I was looking at some opportunities out there. Definitely, you know, a little bit of a culture shock, but was yeah. willing to, to take a, a look at it and um, ended up uh, meeting a professor, uh, adjunct professor, a uh, really cool gentleman named uh, Benjamin Bennett, uh, who had just started a marketing firm in Bozeman. And I had interned with them for a semester and before ready to go. Uh, to Seattle, he offered me uh, an entry-level design position there, which I uh, decided to take. And so we, uh, I worked at Massive for about 15 years. Um, in the beginning, we had a lot of clients uh, more in kind of the outdoor uh, recreational space, um, worked on a lot of different brands in that respect. And then uh, in kind of the back half of my time there, uh, we had Sika Gear as a client and uh, that's where I ended up meeting uh, Jess Zito, who is uh, now part owner of Stone Glacier and uh, my current boss. So, um, yeah, th that's kind of, how I, kind of how I got mixed into it. But for me, you know, just uh, being a massive for those years, it was just became kind of my prerogative to, to get to work with more hunting brands. And so um, when Sika came to Bozeman and opened up shop here um, through kind of a, a random series of events, I was able to get an interview with those guys. And we kind of just slowly started to do work for them. 
Okay. No, that's uh, and that's one of the things that I kind of wanted to talk about too. Is I know that you have a a really impressive, um, like resume and background when it comes to your artistic mm-hmm. ability. I mean, at what point did you kind of decide like, hey, this is this you know take my ability that I have with from from the the art side of things and use that uh, in mm. the outdoor space. Yeah. Um, yeah. The art stuff is like, I've been doing it forever. I mean, since I was a little kid, I would draw all the time. And so I, I was always very well steeped in that. And then obviously I went to design school and, you know, design school um, is very much focused to, to learn design and not necessarily, um, uh, you know, m- most of the kids, I guess, at the school were really like trying to, to work in the outdoor space, but none of them were really like trying to buy into the hunting space. And so I think when, uh, when I graduated and got a job, you know, I always felt like the, the quality of the design work we did at Massive was really high end. And a lot of companies uh, in the hunting space, which I always felt like was, you know, about five years behind kind of the, the outdoor recreation space in regards to just creative and visuals. Um, I thought we could take a lot of the same mentality that, that we had there and apply it. And so um, you know, the, you know, obviously brands like, like Sika were one of the first ones to kind of come out with these higher end apparel products. Um, and so it just kind of was the perfect opportunity to, to get in there and, and start to show them that, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, all crazy Western fonts and it's a lot more than that, you know, and, um, and that really, you know, what we do is, is, is very uh, beautiful and artistic on some level. So that's when I kind of realized that, you know, high quality design and, you know, high quality hunting gear, they really kind of go hand in hand in a lot of respects. Yeah. And that's one thing that I noticed too, is like the more I kind of look at a lot of like, whether it's high end hunting gear or not. And I feel like the high end hunting gear, um, regardless of whether it's camo, it's backpacks, it's, it's tents, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever the case is that they're the companies that always have like the, just like your, your regular streetwear apparel, that is is way better than you know some of the others who are just kind of focused on on camo and I think that kind of opens up a whole new door um, to customers out there that want to be able to to support you know in this case you know Stone Glacier that you know you guys make a lot of really kick ass t shirts that people just want to wear right yeah it's you know Stone Glacier um, is is yeah it's really unique in that it has a a pretty loyal cult following, which is cool. Um, but yeah, outside of that, it's, it's really a little bit more of a lifestyle, um, for a lot of guys in that, you know, the, the products that we make are, are products that you could wear hunting or you could, you know, wear them to go to the movies with your wife or go to a soccer game for your kids on the weekend. So there's a lot of versatility in those products. You know, the, the thing that we, we always look at too is, I mean, these products are expensive. And so if you're, if you're going to spend, you know, $350 on a jacket, we'd like you to get the most out of, out of your purchase. And so, um, you know, for us, um, creating the solid products really allows us to just to do that and gives the the end consumer a little bit more versatility in regards to what they're going to do with those products. Yeah. And that's been one of the things that I've really noticed over the last, I don't know, three to four years is how many hunters are, you know, kind of switching over or incorporating more of the solids into their hunting, uh, into their lineup, into their gear. Right. And a lot of people are, are taking the solids and, you know, like you just said, more versatility, you can, you can wear them in the field, but then you can just wear them, you know, leisurely as well too. If you just want to, you know, like a a soft shell jacket or something like that, or, 
you know, a pullover hoodie, uh, like an insulated hoodie or something like that. I mean, it, it just offers so many different uses out of it. And that's something that's, that's really interesting. And, and personally, I like it. I like the solids. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, again, it's all about that versatility. Um, and you know, in a lot of respects, it's about affordability too, you know, being able to, to wear one jacket all year. Um, and we were not, we're never like when we, we kind of came up with the mentality of like, Hey, we, we didn't want to do, do camo for us. It wasn't, it wasn't really about, you know, our, our dislike for other camo brands or anything like that. It was really just seeing, you know, that opportunity in the space to say like, Hey, we can, you know, really put our thumbprint on it. And you know, the, the biggest thing for us too, is we always kind of like, uh, the mentality of stone glacier is really minimal in kind of our, our design, you know, everything you need and nothing that you don't. And, uh, that's really the, been the basis for uh, what the company was founded on when Kurt started it um, way back in, I believe, 2012 is, you know, you, there's just some things you don't need. And so one of those things that, um, you know, we decided that you probably really didn't need was camo. And so, again, not to discredit all the camos out there, there are some really great ones out there. But for, for our brand, from our perspective, it was just one of the things we wanted to, to not really have to, uh, to bring to the fold, if you will. Yeah, no, I, I I totally agree. So, as the marketing director at Stone Glacier, there, what does mm-hmm. uh, what does that job entail? I mean, are you able to really kind of put your stamp on things from uh, from an artistic standpoint as well? Yeah, it's um, it's a it's a great job, and it's um, you know, Stone Glacier is a little bit different. I mean, we're we're definitely a smaller brand, so uh, we tend to uh, to do things kind of bootstrapped sometimes, which we like. Um, you know, we're we're really in there to roll your sleeves up and do things kind of gritty, if you will. And so, uh, you know, for myself, like, yeah, I wear, I wear a lot of hats. I mean, I do everything from determining sponsorships and sponsorship dollars down to, you know, taking our studio photography. So, uh, you know, I'm sometimes maybe a little bit controlling in, in things. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's nice to be able to, to hold on to those reins. But, um, you know, just, just last year we brought on a really great content guy named Zach Bowden. And so, uh, I've been working really closely with Zach and he produces a lot of really great content, but yeah, I mean, it's really, you know, you're doing a little bit of everything. And then, you know, we, uh, we're talking now, we just recently wrapped up our holiday sale. And so, you know, I found myself downstairs stuffing sticker packs one day to just help the guys downstairs keep up. So being a small brand, you just, you just do more. And, um, I think for me, that's the thing I love is cause I kind of, I know a little bit about everything that's going on. You know, I don't find myself in a corner only really focused on, on my task, but I get to see where other people are, are maybe struggling or succeeding throughout our business. And, um, it's just cool to be in that perspective, but um, but yeah, so I do that. And then, you know, anything that's kind of visually creative, um, from a brand perspective, um, I'm spearheading those projects as well. So catalog design, um, you know, again, working with Zach to, to see what our videos look like, what, what are the title plates, things like that. And then, uh, Zach and I kind of split duties on, uh, running our social media, uh, as well. So if you reach out to us, direct message, you're probably talking to myself or Zach or, uh, possibly Andrew in our office. Okay. No. And, and I've, I've noticed that, uh, like some of the, um, like the streetwear, some of like the t-shirts and stuff that, mm-hmm. that you guys have recently launched have, uh, have mm-hmm. been your own designs. And that's, that's gotta be pretty cool yeah. to, I mean, I know a lot of people keep designs in house, but you know, like you mm-hmm. said that you guys are, you know, kind of a, a smaller, you know, a smaller brand, a smaller company. And it's, and, and while I know that, I don't know that a lot of necessarily our listeners know that, right. I mean, when I think of Stone Glacier, you know, it's obviously uh, it's a very well-known name um, in the hunting industry. I mean, you guys are known for, you know, your lightweight packs, your 
your packs that are, you know, super durable and, you know, can offer a lot of different functions. But I mean, you guys are probably what, under 20 employees or so? Yeah, we just we just hit 15. Um, but that that growth has been pretty rapid in the last six months. We uh, brought on some considerable warehouse staff, which is I don't know, honestly, um, it was just hard to keep up with the majority of the orders. And and so there's that balance, right? Like, like I said, we, we enjoy kind of being a part of a lot of different operations. But at the end of the day, as your brand does grow, you have to become a little bit more focused on, yeah. on what tasks you're there to do. So, um, yeah, we brought on uh, some warehouse guys. So great group of guys. Um, yeah, we uh, we always, you know, we're we're very much a, a team oriented group around here. And so, um, yeah, we have a great group of guys down there. Um, everybody in our office uh, is a hunter, which is cool, too. I mean, um, you know, that's a mentality we want to keep up for as long as we can. But everybody in our office hunts on some level. Um, you know, obviously, some guys are, are more extreme than others. But, you know, I would say that just about everybody in our office spends, you know, at least 10 plus days out, out doing something in the backcountry chasing critters. So um, definitely pretty cool. Some of us spend, you know, hundreds of days or so. But uh as long as we can until Jeff tells us not to. <laughs> yeah, no, I can uh, I can totally appreciate that. So I want to take just a quick step back. I kind of assume that everyone listening is familiar with Stone Glacier and knows what Stone Glacier is about. And for you know any new listeners that may be coming on or ones mm-hmm. that haven't listened to it in the past and heard some of the commercials that I've done, tell us about Stone Glacier and, and really kind of all that you guys have to offer. Yeah, you bet. Uh, so Stone Glacier was founded in 2012 by a gentleman named Kurt Roscoe. Uh, Kurt was, um, he's kind of, we, we always joke because he's so humble, but he's, he's a little bit of like a, a local legend around here, but um, lived in Alaska for a lot of years, uh, started Stone Glacier kind of out of necessity in that he couldn't find a backpack that was fitting his needs. And so um, kind of put some some things together and, and came out with his uh, first pack. Um you know, we make ultra light uh, hunting backpacks under heavy load. In the last you know, two and a half, uh, three years, we've branched out into technical apparel, sleeping bags, um, tents, uh, things like that. And so we're really uh, able to offer kind of a full uh, kit of services, full system now, if you will, in regards to all the product offerings that we have. And then, um, you know, about three, four years ago, uh, Jess Pizzito, who uh, is the, the founder of 2% for Conservation, uh, left his role at Sitka and came over as the CEO of Stone Glacier. And um, it was at that point uh, that he asked me to come over and run the marketing with him. So uh, we've been over here uh, working working for the last three years. So yeah, uh, Stone Glacier, we're, we're based in Bozeman. Like I said, we have about 15 employees, so still relatively small in, in the scheme of things. But um, yeah, offer everything from an ultra lightweight backpack to a, a bomber, you know, four season lightweight tent that you can take to the backcountry. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> some of the things I wanted to to kind of pick your brain about is some of the new offerings that you guys have. Mm-hmm. I know in just the last, you know, two, two to four weeks or so, you guys have released uh, your Merino base layers and then yep. your, uh, your bino harness as well. So what does the process look like for, you know, getting something like that into market because I know mm-hmm. Merino is, has been, uh, it seems like it's become a lot more popular or at least maybe I've just been paying attention more, uh, in the last, you know, yeah. five years or so from a base layer standpoint. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a Midwest guy, so I'm a whitetail guy. So I'm not, yeah. you know, super active at all when it comes to mm-hmm. my style of hunting, but I definitely see the advantages to Merino, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I, 
I, I, I love it. I, I would never go back to synthetics personally. Um, yeah. But what does it look like from the time you guys, you know, are in your meetings and, and you have your, your, you're pitching your ideas and, and from there all the way to like the launch of the product? Yeah. And, and you know, our process is similar to probably some other brands, but also um, maybe pretty different in some respects. But so the majority of our, our product kind of creation, you know, what we're going to build for that specific year comes directly from Kurt with heavy influence from Jeff. And so they kind of come up with, um, you know, a list of products and then they um, basically bring those products to our team and we discuss them and determine, yeah, like that's a, a great fit for our our, uh, our brand. And then, you know, from there, Kurt will go into some pretty heavy design phases. Um, you know, we do a lot of hand-sewed own prototypes, Kurt sews, uh, Taylor and Andrew in our office sew. So we have some guys in here basically sewing um, products, getting materials in. From there, they go off to our factory, um, which will then in turn basically send us some samples. Um, from the time we get those samples, you know, we we spend a lot of time in the field testing our products. Um, either our our core guys that that work here, or we have a a pretty cool group of kind of just you know real hardcore heavy users um, that use the product in the backcountry. And so, you know, we we work through a ton of different, um, you know, kind of meetings and scenarios with them and conversations with them in regards to the product, what's working, what's not working. And, you know, in the end, um, we end up with a product that, you know, hopefully through all those revisions is ready to go to market. But sometimes, you know, we determine that like, Hey, it's just, it's not quite where we want it. And so, uh, you know, for us, it's just important to never really test our products on our consumers. So we, we wouldn't bring that to the market. And so oftentimes these things, you know, take two, three, three years to, to uh, come to development. So, I mean, the Bino harness, I'm, I'm pretty sure we worked on that for uh, over two years before we were satisfied with that, that final design before we released that. But yeah, it's a pretty lengthy process with a lot of feedback from, like I said, our, our guys internally and then our core testers. Yeah. Now the Bino harness, that's one thing I, I wanted to talk to you about because there's, there's definitely some, uh, some features of it that are, have become you know kind of industry standards like you know the forward opening which i i don't know why all people who make a bino harness don't make it forward opening because it's just it's so much more convenient but the adjustability that the skyline bino harness has is is something that you don't really see a lot of so kind of walk me through what that looked like or or who kind of or why you wanted all that adjustability into it yeah, the, the bino harness is interesting because, you know, in a lot of respects, the bino harness, you know, in my opinion, at least, is the one piece of gear that it, it has to work pretty flawlessly because you're going to use it all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, you have that thing on pretty much the entirety of your hunt. You're constantly in and out of it. And so you really want that thing to be functional. And so what we experienced using a lot of bino harnesses was there's just a few key issues, primarily with kind of the fit of the optics and the harness. And how you either ended up with, uh, you know, a, a pocket to hold the harness or to hold the binos. There wasn't ever kind of like perfectly for this thing to be an exact fit. And so that's when Kurt, you know, kind of went to task um, to come up with a solution that, you know, was kind of new and, and something that worked really well, but at the same time wasn't a gimmick, right? And so uh, he went uh, and spent a ton of time and came up with uh, what we've coined the optic fit um, kind of system, which allows you to adjust the height of the hood based off the height of your binoculars. So in the end, you get this really tight fitting, um, easy to open one hand use uh, system that is is pretty streamlined, like the majority of our products. 
not a lot of extra pockets and things that are going to get in your way. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a pretty innovative design in that respect. I mean, you know, it's always hard to, to bring a product to market that there's so many variations and options out there. So mm-hmm. to do something that's kind of truly uh, unique and one-off um, is something that that's kind of like what we pride ourselves on is how do you rethink a common problem and make a better solution? And I think, you know, Kurt did a really good job of that with his design. Yeah. And that's one thing that I really liked is, you know, there's obviously a lot of guys out there who, you know, maybe only have one set of glass, right? They try to find a, a universal, you know, size that, that works for all their hunting styles. But then there's guys out there who have, you know, they've got a, you know, maybe a 10 by 50 first, you know, so maybe some more Western style, or they've got maybe like a, a 10 by 42, uh, that they're using for, you know, maybe like whitetail like that. I mean, that's a pretty, you know, common size, but that's the size that I find myself using. But the fact that you don't have to go out and buy either a harness that's too big for your 10 by 42s or, you know, mm-hmm. one that's too small for your 10 by 50s or whatever the case is that, you know, just take a couple of measurements, adjust the hood, you know, recinch it down and boom, you're good to go. And that's one of the things that, uh, yeah, I, I really like about it. And, you know, truth be told that going into this season for me, I was really, I really wanted to to switch up my bino harness. I just, mine doesn't open forward and I just, it was noisy and I just didn't really care for it all that much. And I almost pulled mm-hmm. the trigger on one and then you guys came out with, uh, uh, your new one. And I was like, uh, I could probably get through one more season with this one and and wait till this one actually comes out so I can get my hands on it. Because yeah, even just like the, you know, the one tether, uh, that's Mm -hmm. on it that attaches to it. So you can kind of use it with one hand. And I feel like you have a little bit more movement with it from side to side and and just more flexibility. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to get my hands on it to, to give it a shot. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, It's like I said, it's definitely, I mean, there's a lot of similarities, right? Like a backpack is a backpack. It's got shoulder straps. A vinyl harness is going to hold your vinyls. So there's obviously some similarities to everything on the market. You you would have to like do something wildly different or revolutionary to like really change it. But you know, I think what we've done is cleaned up a lot of you know the small and and somewhat larger kind of design um, issues that we we featured or, or saw when we were using a lot of uh, vinyl harnesses. So it's just really a more streamlined system. Um, and then again, there's a lot, a lot of flexibility, but it's like any piece of technical gear though. There's always going to be a learning curve. You know, yeah. we, this is something that we coach our customers through a lot is, you know, you, you know, you get a, a backpack or, or what have you, a vinyl harness, you, you know, spend some time with it, become very familiar with it, understand how it works. And, uh, you know, I always compare it to like a, a rifle, right? You're not going to go buy a rifle, put a scope on it and then take it hunting without shooting it, you know, right. sighting and becoming very familiar with that weapon. And so, you know, for us, backpacks, rangefinders, all of it is is something that you should be familiar with. Uh, tents, set the tent up before you go out so that you're not trying to do it in the dark for the first time. So a lot of these things that seem, you know, somewhat obvious, you know, a, a good piece of technical gear, there's probably a little bit of a learning curve that you have to go through there. Yeah, well, especially, you know, for especially I think a, a lot of whitetail guys uh, and even me up until a few years ago, I would never uh, use a bino harness, whether it was just, you know, wearing the strap around my neck mm-hmm. Or uh, a harness that just didn't involve, you know, that was just like the shoulder straps that wasn't actually a harness to put your your binos in. I think that, you know, especially as guys become a lot more mobile uh, in their hunting setups, you know, they want something that's not going to be flopping around or anything like that. So to keep them, you know, tight to the chest, it it offers just, um, you know, there's just benefits for for any style of hunting that that you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and for us too, it's a, it's a lot about protecting your optics. I mean, these optics are oftentimes super expensive. Like, 
you don't tell your wife expensive. You know? like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, they're definitely, you know, a quarter of a vacation for a family of four. So you want to be careful about how much you let on. But uh, yeah. And so like our, our materials uh, made out of our M5 uh, rain gear materials. So, you know, it's going to keep your optics dry. Um, it's basically kind of two, two pieces of uh, so, you know, you're getting a lot of action that comes up, covers the optics entirely. So you don't get a lot of debris or any debris really um, from the side. So just like, again, a lot of those kind of small things where we're uh, always thought, man, we, we could improve on that or add a little bit of a, a new twist to it is, is kind of what you see in that guy. Yeah. Now with the, the, the products that you guys offer in terms of like uh, your outerwear, um, was that something that you guys had had really wanted to to get into kind of from the onset? Or I mean, at what point did you guys kind of see a need or, or see an area where you could say, you know what, we can we can offer something that's different, uh, that's you know still technically mm-hmm. advanced and, and streamlined, like you said. At what point? Mm-hmm. I mean, at what, how long ago did you say you came out with those two or three or four years ago? Yeah, about th- about three years ago, I believe we launched our first apparel stuff. Um, yeah, and I, I think you know, obviously, a lot of it stems from uh, our own kind of internal experience uh, wearing a lot of, of different apparel. Um, you just you start to identify things that that you wish were a little bit different, and you know, it's it's really Kurt's mentality and 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 Jeff's mentality, and honestly, the mentality of everybody at Stone Glacier to kind of like find ways to improve on the mundane, if you will. And yeah. so for us, it was. You know, how do we make a, a better, you know, down jacket? What would that look like? You know, like, how do you make it more packable? How do you still make it lightweight but durable enough that it's, you know, not going to just tear apart out there? And so um, Kurt really started to look at at all of his gear and, you know, made a list of like, hey, here's some things I think I could I could do an improvement on. And that's kind of what started the apparel line um, in general. And that's the same for tents and sleeping bags, you know. And um, two, for us, it also allows us to offer our customers a wider variety of products. You know, our, our backpacks uh, typically are very bomber. You know, they last you a long time. So, you know, the life cycle of a customer, it's um, it's harder to sell somebody multiple backpacks when the one they have is still in great shape. Yeah. Uh, plus, all of our backpacks, we make them so that the bags and frames are interchangeable. So if you just need a bigger bag, you're not, you know, pressed to go out and have to buy an entirely new frame. So. You know, everything we do is is about trying to you know create the best experience for the customer. Um, you know, we're not we're not trying to soak them for a ton of money. We're just trying to provide high quality products and some versatility kind of across the board with things. And uh, and I, I think that was one of the things with apparel. But really, it was you know Kurt just looking at his gear, saying like, hey, what what can I improve on, and, and how do I make this more tailored specifically for the you know ultralight backpack hunter? Yeah, and you know I can personally speak to uh, to one of the packs. The uh, the Avail is the one that I've been running for Whitetail, and it's just it, it for especially for a Whitetail guy. I mean, it's it's perfect. The the size is right. Um, you know, I'm able to to haul whatever it is that I need in and out of the stand. I mean, I, I told the story uh, maybe in one of the commercials that I did uh, for Stone Glacier where I, uh, I took my daughter out hunting. Uh, and like I said, she's almost four. So it was really just, I just wanted to take her. In, I, we have a box blind, uh, on one of our properties and I had zero intention mm-hmm. of really hunting. You know, I just wanted to take her out and maybe we'd get lucky and, sure. you know, we'd see something, but you know, in order to do that, you know, I had to bring a, you know, a blanket out there for her, another chair out there for, her. I had to bring a heater yeah. with us, you know, an iPad, a bunch of snacks, you know, all these things to try to, to keep her attention from, and to keep her from bouncing around. And I mean, I just was able to just throw everything into that pack and, you know, 
hauled it out to the stand with, with no issues at all. So, you know, for someone who's yeah. actually hauling stuff that they're going to use for the hunt, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great pack and I can't recommend it enough. Yeah. Yeah. The veil is pretty cool. It, um, it's really, you know, our, our most popular kind of day pack, um, it has its own little internal frame, but you can actually pull that frame, the shoulder straps and the belt off and run it on one of our load hauling frames. Mm-hmm. So again, you get that kind of like versatility, um, you know, Kurt kind of designed that originally to be more of kind of a, a skiing snowmobile style pack for some of his personal needs that he was, he was working on. And then it, it really turned into this really versatile, you know, pack that we've seen all kinds of people use it. So yeah, everybody from the whitetail guy to like the EMT has used that pack. So it's definitely, um, you know, found this kind of niche in that like 2000 cubic inch space for guys that are looking for a little bit of versatility, a little bit of organization, but you know, at the end of the day, just highly functional and, and not overly, you know, complex or overly thought out. Yeah. And that's one of the things I was just going to say was, uh, I'm a skier as well. And, you know, I, my family or my wife and I anyway, make a trip out West at least once or twice every year to do some skiing. So to, to see like, especially on the website when it's kind of, you know, giving you some pictures of the different uses and stuff, having guys that are, are on there and using it as like a, a backcountry skiing pack. I'm like, Oh, well this, this is, perfect this is the exact type of pack that i need something that you can you know strap your skis to and it's got the you know the right um uh, attachments and everything so you can carry them uh yeah i'm I'm really looking forward for the winter to to be able to kind of give it a different use yeah for sure yeah it's it's super versatile and we i mean we carry them it's the pack i carry every day to the gym to the office everywhere i go i'm pretty much got an avail you know over my shoulder so definitely a versatile little pack it's it's pretty solid yeah now i mean honestly i could sit here and talk about all the different offerings and and gear that that stone glacier has and everything but i want to to talk about uh you know the conservation side of the business as well and Mm -hmm. obviously um stone glacier is a two percent certified company uh you sit on the board of directors for Mm -hmm. uh two percent for conservation so what was it that made stone glacier decide to become two percent certified i know you guys were certified uh you know very early on um in two percents uh you know uh from when they started out yeah for sure yeah and i you know i guess a little little bit of a a quick backstory on on two percent from my perspective is um and and some people know this and a lot of people don't but um i think it's noteworthy is uh our ceo jess Mazito is actually the founder of of two percent and so um in its initial stages i worked closely with jeff to to work on some of the marketing efforts design the logo a lot of the collateral material so for us, it's obviously very near and dear to our hearts. Um, and so we've, uh, you know, we originally worked uh, with some founding partners um, to get it uh, kicked off. One of those was Sika when Jeff was there. So always appreciative to the Sika team for all the support they gave us for for 2%. Um, really very solid and generous efforts on their behalf. Um, and then, yeah, when we came over and Jeff, uh, you know, started working over here at Stone Glacier, it was a no-brainer for us to go ahead and get certified as well um, from that. And, you know, we, we, we really liked the model. The model, you know, originally was really just, it was more um, similar to kind of the 1% for the planet, if you will, where, you know, we were, we were going to certify these companies um, to ensure that they were actually doing what they say they were doing because the, the conservation kind of area was becoming so saturated that it was really hard to tell if, if anybody was doing anything other than, you know, saying they were through social media. So for right. us, it was like, man, like, how, how do we like actually, you know, some rubber to the road and shit, but hey, these guys are actually doing stuff to help ensure that, 
you know, you have opportunity to go out there and go hunting or fishing, hiking, et cetera. And so, uh, we started down that path. And the one thing that we found, uh, was, is, you know, money absolutely helps, helps drive these things. But what these, these organizations really need is, you know, boots on the ground, um, initiatives. And so that's where the 2% came in. So it's, you know, 1% of, of your revenue and then 1% of your employees time. And that's, uh, you know, for me, uh, and at Stone Glacier being a smaller brand, you know, oftentimes dollars can be the hardest thing to, to liquidate uh, out of your company when you need to pay for employee salaries and things like that. And so the, the time is awesome. So the fact that we get to get our, our team members out there, work on these, uh, you know, hands-on, you know, conservation initiatives is, is awesome. And so, you know, that model kind of changed over time from the 1% to the 2%. And, you know, it was kind of the, the perfect evolution, if you will. So yeah, we, we freaking love 2%. Like it's, it's kind of our baby. And so we're very excited when we see new people sign on and, and when we get to work with, you know, new brands. And if the cool part is, is it, it takes a lot of the competition out, you know, I mean, there's always going to be competition across brands. And I think that's what makes, you know, um, these spaces so great is that, you know, everybody uh, is kind of buying for the same audience and the same customer. And, and we're all about, you know, people trying and experimenting with different products. I think it only makes the industry better as a whole. But the one thing you kind of have to, to make sure is that there's actually a spot for those people to go out and, and use your product. So regardless if you're Sika, Kuyu, First Light, whoever you are, at the end of the day, we need, you know, some some locations for people to actually enjoy and use our products. And so I think that's what, what 2% helps out with a lot is just ensuring that people are actually doing what they say they're doing and they're putting back some, some you know, elbow grease, if you will, back into the system. Yeah, and, and I, you kind of hit the nail on the head there when you talked about, you know, all these companies that are providing, um, you know, whether it's a, a good or a service that allows you to, or that is used for, you know, going out and hunting or fishing or any type of recreating like that, that those companies are then turning around and, and using the money that they spent with you to make sure that those, you know, that their customers and that them, them you know, they themselves have this ability in these places to go out and, and do this hunting or fishing or recreating, you know, whatever it is. And I, to me, to become 2% certified uh, is a no brainer, right? I mean, it's just, especially if you're a company that's um, vying yeah. for customers in the outdoor space that you, you want to know that the money that you're spending is, mm -hmm. is going to not only a great company, a great product, but then it's also going back to conservation as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, um, you said it well, like it's, it's important for us to know, I mean, for our, for us to share with our customers that like, Hey, we're, we're doing these things. Um, you know, it, it obviously makes us feel good, but we're doing it to ensure that, that you have a spot to go hunting. We're mm -hmm. doing it to ensure that we have a spot to go hunting, that there's animals to hunt when we go to these spots. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's just that, you know, value add of, of knowing that like, Hey, we're, we're here to work as much as we are to sell. And so I think, I think that's a cool thing for the consumer to know. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. So now what are some of the organizations that, uh, that Stone Glacier is working with, um, as far as, you know, time and money given back? Sure. Yeah, so we uh, we do some stuff with the Wild Sheep Foundation. That's probably kind of our longer uh, sponsorship. Um, probably the one that's the most kind of near and dear to our heart um, is the Rocky Mountain Goat Alliance. So um, that was founded by a former Stone Glacier employee, uh, Mr. Peter Munich. And so we uh, we still tend to work with them very closely, uh, doing some uh, goat counts, things like that. Uh, we also work with um, a nonprofit out of uh, the University of Wyoming that does a lot of mule deer studies. And so we'll go down and help them capture mule deer, things like that. 
Um, so that's that's really fun to you. Um, we're we're currently kind of slated to do an antelope um, one here uh, this spring, uh, removing a, a couple large chunks of, of fence that are basically blocking some migration corridors for okay. some antelope um, in southwest Montana. So you know it's it's kind of um, you know oftentimes like very very strategic and you know that we get to go on some of these and sometimes they just kind of pop up uh out of nowhere and you know you try to take advantage of that opportunity so you know for us we you know if you're if you're passionate in our office about something too some guys are you know into you know some fishing things and so sometimes we'll go and we'll do some river cleanups things like that to help out as well so there's just kind of a lot of different aspects and ways to get your certification hours and you know oftentimes we end up with way more certification hours than you would need to meet the two percent requirements yeah and you know especially for yeah it, it, for those that don't know the one percent of your time for for a company is 21 hours right and that's you know if yeah. you just you know in, yeah. in, in a case like stone glacier where you know 15 employees you know it's it's just you know it's a little over an hour per person a year which yeah. is not that difficult to to come up with you know especially if you got you know yeah. if you get you know your whole team to to go out and do a river cleanup or do mm-hmm. a, a a goat survey or something like that i mean you're going to get your time right yeah. there but i you know like you said i know you guys are going above and beyond that uh you know that mm-hmm. the 1% that's required yeah and i mean some people you know they may look at it and think to you like ah oh, 21 hours that's not that much but i mean honestly 21 hours worth of work, you can, you can, you know, achieve a lot in that time. You know, if you're removing 50 miles of fence, you know, from, from an opportunity where antelope can't get through to, you know, to go on to their continued migration and you start to see a decline in some of the population. And there's some things that, you know, are happening that, you know, uh, 21 hours absolutely is a ton of time. So, um, again, like we always, in, you know, encourage as somebody who's on the board for people to do as much as they can kind of, uh, handle and what you know their employees are willing to do and and you know for us at Stone Glacier it just tends to be a little bit more than that 21 and it's great yeah now I know you mentioned uh the Wild Sheep Society uh is that correct mm-hmm. yeah Wild Sheep Foundation yeah. yeah sorry Wild Sheep Foundation um I believe you guys actually send out like literature uh in a lot of your orders or at least I know in the packs that I received uh there was literature yeah. uh about the Wild Sheep Foundation in there as well so I mean that that's really cool that you know you it, it's it's a lot more than lip service, right? And, and talking about it, you guys are, you know, if you're if you're buying one of our packs, hey, you know, take a few minutes, you know, even if it's just you know buying a you know thirty five dollar, forty five dollar membership, whatever the cost is. I mean, that's if you already made the investment into you know into a, a nice you know pack, you know, another thirty five or forty five bucks is going to go a long way for for that foundation or that organization. Yeah, absolutely, and we we do um, we do all of our own fulfillment here out of our Bozeman location, so you know we're we're kind of blessed with a lot of flexibility in regards to, you know, doing these small initiatives and things that go out in, uh, into all of our, um, our shipments for orders that go out. So yeah, we've, we've done those, you know, we've done some, some collab stuff with, uh, like mountain tough. They, um, they're actually right down the street from us. They're 2% members. So, um, you know, they, they've done some things, donated t-shirts, um, you know, custom designed t-shirts back to, to, um, all the money back to wild sheep, back to the go to line. So yeah, other brands that are local that you kind of do things with and then leverage our audience to, to share those opportunities. So, um, yeah, so that's, it's just, again, it's just something that, you know, we have the means to do it. It doesn't take, you know, a lot of effort, but in the end, it sure helps these nonprofits out just getting the, that, that awareness. You know, we ship thousands and thousands and thousands of orders every year. So it's kind of a cool, cool add on that we can do for them. Yeah. Now, 
you said the word initiative there, and uh, right now there's um, kind of this new initiative that's that started and that uh, kicked off maybe right around was it like Giving Tuesday or somewhere? Or, yeah, yeah, Giving Tuesday. Yeah, yep. that started the uh, the Common Wild Initiative, and I know that um, yeah. you know Stone Glacier is taking part of that. So so tell me about that. Yeah, so we were um, we were. Uh, reached out to uh, from the guys over at First Light. Um, we have a really great relationship with those two dudes. Um, just, you know, great group of guys over there. And so what what they were feeling was some, you know, um, tension or, you know, or some strife potentially, or, you know, just, just the need, you know, probably more realistically to uh, kind of unite a lot of the, the, the brands in the hunting and outdoor recreation space. So they came up with this concept uh, called Common Wild. Uh, and, and basically the way it works is um, they design some some really nice, thoughtful merchandise. Um, it's, a, it's an Nalgene bottle and a camp cup for now. Um, and basically we uh, take and purchase those items and then turn around and sell them to our customers and then uh, donate all that money uh, back to a nonprofit. And obviously our nonprofit's 2%. Um, and so it's just a cool way to kind of like show that like, hey, you know, while there may be competition between brands, and again, we're all, you know, sometimes buying for the same customer at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's that same thing of like, you know, we're all, we're all in this together and, you know, competition is healthy, but at the end of the day, we just need to make sure that, you know, our, our consumers know that these brands have their back in their ear for the long haul. And so uh, it's a cool, cool campaign. We're, we're super stoked to be a part of it. So, um, you know, the, the uh, the items are for sale on our website. They're on for sale on the um, the First Light website, and then there's a whole bunch of other brands too that are participating in it. I think First Light actually has a, a little uh, blog post, a good blog post on their site that that talks about what other brands participating. Yeah. Now, I know I kind of quick step back, um, mm-hmm. kind of back to the gear a little bit. Now, is there kind of anything that, that you guys have coming out or that you can kind of tell me about that that's in the works that, that you guys are excited about? Yeah, for sure. And, uh, I mean, this is somewhat public knowledge. I mean, I mean, a few guys, um, kind of those loyalty uh, guys, the loyalists have picked up on it. But um, we're, we're working on a gator that we're really excited about. Um, it's definitely, you know, again, solves a lot of those issues that we've, we've seen with other, other gators that, you know, are, are a hindrance uh, to your hunt or just small things that are kind of nuisances that, that could be uh, better thought out. So we're pretty excited about that product. Again, that thing has been in development for about two years now too, just uh, constant revisions and um, same thing as kind of the bino harness. You're going to, you're going to wear it a lot. You're going to use it a lot. Uh, it takes, you know, a ton of abuse being on your foot. So, um, yeah, we've, we've really been working, uh, over time on that guy in regards to field testing and, and sharing that with, um, with kind of our core guys to get some feedback on that. So yeah, excited for that. Um, we have some other, uh, tent things. Um, I can't talk about them too much yet. Uh, that will come to fruition later in the year. Uh, some more apparel items for sure that are going to be dropping, you know, with the completion of our Merino, um, we now have the ability to offer kind of a full um, system, if you will. So right. um, from, you know, skin to, to outer layer uh, to, to hard shell um, rain gear. So we're excited about that. Uh, we will be dropping a lighter weight version of our Dehavalon pant. Okay. Um, so our Dehavalon pant's a great, great pant. Um, really designed for, you know, kind of that mid to late season. It's a, it's a little heavier pant. Um, so we're excited about the season lightweight version of that too so that'll be that'll be a great pant and uh should perform really well from you know 
August on um, through September for the, the Western Hunter, if you will. Yeah. Now that De Havilland pant is that something is it, is that something that like a like a whitetail guy could wear for maybe like the mid season, let's say before you know the temperatures really start to plummet and you know mm-hmm. the the cold really kind of starts to set in if you're not going to be moving around too much. Yeah, I mean, you you absolutely could wear that. Um, I mean, it it is more designed for kind of the the mountain hunter, if you will. So, right. you know, some considerations is we we for sure didn't make it to be the quietest pant. Um, yeah. Again, we were looking for, you know, more of a a, a wind breaking material um, that was a little more durable. Um, so, and then you know, obviously uh, something that wasn't going to pick up a lot of burrs and dust. And so it's yeah. it's definitely a little bit different face fabric than than you may want for sitting in a tree stand for sure, but. Um, with that said, we, we've seen lots of guys wear them and have great success in the tree stand. Um, and so, you know, we, we were talking the other day in regards to just noise and I, I'm not a whitetail hunter and I'm sure this happens more in the whitetail world, but you know, uh, in the big game world, I can't remember the last time, uh, an animal spooked because of my clothing noise, you know, yeah. like that's, that's just something that doesn't typically happen. Even, you know, we, we bow hunt, a lot of guys have killed, uh, you know, really great elk and, and deer in our to have long pants in our system. And, you know, the noise issue, it's, it's easy to like kind of sit there and make it loud, but realistically out there, we can't, I can't think of a time, at least myself or the guys in our shop where we were like, man, we blew that stock because our pants were too loud or, you know, because it, it heard me drew it's, it's the movement that they're, they're catching, you know, yeah. and, and that's, you know, maybe you could cover that with some camel maybe, but at the end of the day, movement is movement. And so it's kind of that trade off. And so for us, yeah, no, they're they're definitely solid pants, but for sure, kind of more for the the midwest or uh, western western hunter, if you will. Yeah, no, and, and that's kind of what I assume. But like, you made a really good point that yeah, like there's the the fabric or the material that that some of these garments are made out of may be a little bit louder. If let's just say you're just you're just trucking along, you know, whether it's up the mountain, mm-hmm. out to the tree stand, whatever it is. But once you you kind of get into that, you know, whether it's into the tree stand or you get into that final stock is that your your movements are minimal you know you're already being mm-hmm. quiet and like i think about me sitting in a tree stand i'm not like rubbing my legs together as i'm trying to uh you know draw my bow or something like that right. to where i'm going to be making all this noise so i hear a lot yeah. of guys talk about you know fabrics and like oh it's you know like with like puffy coats or something like that like oh it's too loud for tree stand hunting it's like no it's it's really not you just got to conceal your movement you know the, the noise isn't going to bust them right so oh yeah and i mean I think, you know, of all these, all the species for sure, whitetails are, are the ones probably most, you know, susceptible to that, that audio because, you know, it is so still and quiet in there. And again, it's, you know, each to his own. I mean, we, we absolutely love that, that we're seeing some of this crossover and people are wearing these products for whitetail hunting, et cetera. You know, for us, I mean, that's, that's not necessarily, it's, it's design intention. Right. So, you know, with, with that thought in mind, then it's kind of hard for us to, to even really go down that path of being like, oh, it's not quiet enough for whitetail hunting. Well, we didn't design it for whitetail hunting. <laughs> yeah. So you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. It's not quiet enough for whitetail hunting, you know, maybe that's, that's the thing. And so, um, it's just one of those perceptions and, you know, I think, you know, each to his own and everybody kind of has, you know, their specific checklist, if you will, of, right. of qualities they want in a product. And, and for some people, you know, being ultra quiet is is something and some people it's comfort, some people it's weight. Yeah. You know, for us, it's typically, you know, durability and comfort, um, primarily under a heavy load. I mean, most of the guys that use our, our gear are, you know, doing five to seven, 10 plus day backpacking trips. So 
for us, it's important that your gear is going to be, you know, light enough that uh, you're not, you're not, you know, carrying a pair of wool pants, but not so <laughs> lightweight that you're constantly tearing holes in them. So you're trying to find that durability level. But the biggest thing is you're just going to have a backpack on the entire time. So how comfortable can you make these products yeah. under a backpack? And that's, that's really what we strive for. So everything we do is kind of with that mentality of like, you know, keep seams minimal, you know, no belts if we can avoid them on any of your or your pants, you know. And so we found a lot of ways to get around these things that, that typically just create discomfort when you're out there. And that's that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. And I mean, I haven't uh, been able to use my uh, my Sky 5900 for, for a Western hunt yet. But, you know, what I've been able yeah. to put the avail through, I mean, it, it does everything that you just mentioned there. And it's like I said, I, I can't recommend it enough for, for someone that's doing tree stand hunting um, because it it's exactly what you need. And, you know, I've, while I have, haven't have used the, the sky for a Western style hunt or anything like that, I have used it for like early in the season uh, or early, I guess, in the summer when I was doing a lot of prep work for whitetail hauling around tree stands mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I mean, it, it carries the weight. It carries everything that you need to go from spot to spot to get set up. So, it, it yeah, yeah. I, I can definitely speak to its load hauling capabilities. Yeah, for sure. We see, uh, which we love it again. Like, it's really cool when you find kind of guys doing things with your products that you didn't you didn't anticipate. But we see a lot of dudes hauling uh, feed and things in our load shelf, oh, yeah. uh, tree stands. You know, a ton of tree stands uh, going to the load shelf. So yeah, just just purely from like a, a Sherpa standpoint, you know, our load hauling frames are super comfortable and really versatile. I mean, you can you can put up to 150 plus pounds in those things. So you. You want to as long as you can get a strap around it. Um, so yeah, a lot of versatility there. So we, we always love hearing those stories of kind of things that are maybe outside of the you know the specific design use. Excuse me for those products. Yeah. No. Well, Lyle, I appreciate you taking some time, man, to, to hop on the podcast today and, and yeah. tell us about you know all that Stone Glacier has to offer and all the great work um, that you guys are doing, not only with uh, you know conservation there in Montana, uh, but with two percent as well. And uh, you know, I, I look forward yeah. to, to seeing what you guys have come out in the future. Yeah, man. Yeah. I appreciate you asking me to be on. It's, uh, it's been good. I know we've been trying to connect for a while yeah. and uh, finally slowed down slightly after the holiday. So, uh, I'm, I'm pleased to be here. Yeah, no. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, I, I want to extend a, another heartfelt thank you to, uh, to Stone Glacier for, uh, supporting the podcast and, and everything that, yep. you know, and the message that we're trying to get out there and, and expose a lot of, you know, not only these, these companies that are 2% certified, but these, you know, individuals who, you know, are just, you know, they're average conservationists, right? They're just, you know, kind of a regular Joe who are, you know, putting a, a big emphasis on getting out there and, and giving back yep. to, uh, you know, wild places and, and fish and fish and wildlife and everything. So thank you. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Yeah. yeah. All right, Lyle. Well, uh, yeah, take care of yourself, man, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, sounds good. All right, thanks a lot. All right. Well, a big thanks to Lyle for hopping on the podcast today and, and telling us more about Stone Glacier. Uh, we'd like to thank our partners over at Stone Glacier. Uh, be sure and check them out at stoneglacier.com. I'd also like to thank the partners over at 2%. And if you're interested in learning more about 2% for conservation, you can visit their website, fishandwildlife.org. And there you can see all the certified brands, including Stone Glacier, that have committed to conservation that you should support when you shop for your gear. I encourage you guys also to follow 2% on social media, where they're going to post nothing but positive conservation-driven content. Uh, So again, if you'd like to learn more about 2% for conservation, you can look for them online on their various social medias or at fishandwildlife.org. Thanks for checking it out this week, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. And remember, stay safe out there, and conservation starts with you.